everybody to All About Windows Phone podcast number 99. We're one away from 100. Ooh. I'm Steve with me going, ooh, is Mr. Ray Blanford. Hello, everybody. Great to be here. Yes, one more till the big 100. We're going to have to think of some uh, special celebration to do for that. Uh, if you've got any suggestions, drop them in by email, Twitter, or any of the other usual communication mechanisms. Yeah, I'm very much hoping that Rafe sends across a bottle of champagne, which I shall enjoy drinking. Um, keep hoping, Steve. <laughs> a few items to comment on and to analyse from the last week or so. Um, Windows Phone 8.1, the developer preview that many of us have been trying. Uh, we had uh, an update uh, a couple of weeks ago. There's now another update. So I guess this is either update 3 or update 2, depending on how you're counting. Um, version 8.10.12393.890. Basically, it's a, a big bug fix update, as far as I can tell, Rafe. There's no change log being teased by um, by Microsoft or by Joe Belfiore. No one's really noticed anything different. So um, it, do you think it's my, my gut feel is right? They were so close to a stable 8.1 re- release at this point that it is just, you know, under the hood bug fixes. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Uh, you know, bits of tuning going on, just those last little bugs. And of course, if you don't come across them, you'll never notice them. But I think this is probably the release that is going out on the brand new Windows Phone 8.1 devices, of which at the moment there's actually only you know, a couple out there. Well, the 630 and the 930 and the Samsung that's going to get updated. Plenty of rumours and leaks about other devices from all sorts of sources. And I think we're not that far away from seeing some of the devices from the Indian manufacturers and those others that were announced both at uh, Microsoft's Build Conference and back in fe- uh, February at MWC. Um, I downloaded it, installed it, um, I'd like to say that I've noticed my phone being more stable or better battery, but it was already pretty good in that department. So I haven't noticed any difference in the few days that I've had this. But I do think it's a good sign that Microsoft is delivering these updates quite quickly through the update process. Uh, I think it also shows you the difficulty that happens when the operators and the manufacturers kind of get involved with all the certification process, kind of proves that Microsoft's update process can deliver sort of iterative updates very quickly and probably just you know, emphasizes that when there are delays, it's really probably not down to Microsoft, but rather down to the hardware partners and particularly the operators. I mean, those certification requirements are absolutely necessary. There's a big difference between updating you know, a few hundred thousand devices through, you know, kind of a developer beta program where people know may not be perfect uh, and obviously rolling it out to 80 million odd Windows Phone devices, uh, you know, with one of the big software updates. But nonetheless, kind of good to see that it's continuing to be updated and, as you say, Steve, uh, more stable and basically release ready now. I think I want to stay as a developer. But if it means getting OS updates <laughs> and patches every couple of weeks for the next year, I think that would be a great way to go, Ray. Who, who needs who needs a manufacturers and network certified firmwares? Well, it does mean that you'll probably get better battery life, you get the warranty with it and those kind of things. And, of course, they are kind of in the development cycle, so that's why you're seeing quite a few updates. But you're kind of not wrong. You kind of hope that um, you know, moving into the future you have a process where there's a continuous pattern of updates and you're kind of going to get that actually with some of the things that we, you know, talked about last week with Xbox music and obviously the games as well. And it applies to a few other applications. And actually we've seen a few new ones appear this week, which are effectively part of the whole Windows Phone 8.1 rollout. So maybe we could talk about those now, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. I guess this first item, item is not actually part of the platform yet, but it could easily be part of the platform. But currently it's labeled beta and the name is Microsoft help and tips 
doesn't sound very exciting, but it's a kind of a essential part of the, the furniture now that manufacturers don't actually ship paper manuals with devices any, devices anymore. So you kind of expect you know, to, to wing it in your first few hours with the device. And if there's a, a big icon that says help and tips, that's a jolly good place to start. I wrote this up briefly this afternoon as we record. This is currently a Tuesday, the 3rd of June, in case anyone's wondering. Um, and it's, it's pretty nice, Ray. There's not that much content in terms of multimedia stuff yet. Yeah, there's two videos, which sounds rather rather bare bones, but there's a lot of textual content and there's a full search engine. So I think if Microsoft can keep fleshing this out and then build it into the platform in maybe one firmware update's time, I think that'll be a jolly good start for new users. Absolutely. And I think this sort of thing should be part of the platform. I mean, as you say, there is this kind of blurred line and actually applies to all of these applications that are updated in place are they part of the platform or you know because you can actually remove them if you choose to do so so um, that aside this kind of thing is really important and we take for granted that we know how everything works even on the new release with 8.1 we look at the uh, word flow and shape writing keyboard and go yeah that, that just works but it's not necessarily obvious for someone else either coming up from a feature phone or maybe coming over from another device and while there you know, is a certain amount of help built in and uh, Nokia have done their own efforts and kind of doing things around support, I think making this as clear as possible, and there's obviously a balance between how much content you put on and how much you, you keep the simple, you know, emphasizing important bits. But I think in any platform, I mean, while Windows Phone is arguably the most accessible in terms of kind of picking things up and being intuitive of the major smartphone platforms, even it has its sort of own conventions that it follows. And if you're not familiar with live tiles, you may not necessarily understand what they're doing. And the, the keyboard's another good example of that. Um, and it's interesting to see there's actually content specifically around switching from another platform. And I think having both the text content, but also the video content's a really good move because, you know, some people prefer one thing to other, you know, operate in a more visual way. And of course, search is important so you can find what you want. I hope that they expand this and to put more effort into it because it shouldn't really be something that the manufacturer is having to do unless it's, you know, around their specific set of applications. It really is something that Microsoft should provide out of the box. And in that sense, it's long overdue. Yeah. yeah. And linking to video content, I have to, I've seen, seen all sorts of comments in the last few weeks from people actually admitting and admiring the fact that Windows Phone applications can launch video content really seamlessly and really slickly. You know, you just tap on it and it, it switches to landscape and starts playing and it's full screen and there's really nothing to go wrong most of the time compared to other platforms where sometimes things don't go quite as you expect. So, yeah, I think it's a really feather in the cap for Windows Phone and if Microsoft can flush out the video side of things in particular, because that's a really accessible way for new users to learn. And I think it's a, a big, big uh, ad addition to the platform, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's important. I mean, you make that point about videos. It's something you could refer to maybe as designing for the mobile context because that's obviously not the way it operates on a desktop PC where generally the video will play in place and you'll take a specific action to make it full screen. But when you're on a mobile device like that, you've got a relatively limited screen size. Of course you want it to go, you know, full screen. You don't really want to play in place because it's going to be hard to see. And I don't think that's often done enough in the UI. And it's something that uh, Microsoft has done well with Windows Phone, where sometimes, I think Android in particular suffers from this. It's, it can feel like a UI that's sort of designed down a little bit, probably reflecting some of its roots. Uh, you know, Microsoft did do that kind of fresh start with uh, Windows Phone. Indeed, it's actually transferred now to the desktop. So the desktop arguably feels more like Windows Phone than, than the other way around. So it, it is an important one. But I know I interrupt you there, Steve, because I suspect you're going to talk about another long-awaited addition to the Windows Phone app lineup, or at least by some people. 
Absolutely, yeah. And now, now this this may put some people to sleep. The concept of a file manager. It's not the most exciting application <laughs> genre. I know in the past I've you know done a roundup of calculators, and I think that's possibly the only genre that's more boring than file managers. Um, and also, I would argue that for a, a great number of Windows Phone users, certainly with with you know, integral memory with no micro SD card, you still don't need a file manager. However much of a file manager freak you are, because everything basically stays within its own little silo, accessed by its own application. There's no there's nowhere to move files to. But having said that, there aren't the new devices like the 1520, for example, um, like the, the 930. Is that integral or has that got expandable memory? Oh, you're testing me there. I'm pretty sure it's got expandable memory, uh, but no, it doesn't, actually. All right. Okay, but there are quite a few new devices which do have micro SD card slots, and for those, it absolutely makes sense because half the time, you're a t- taking a micro SD card from a previous device, for example. And I know I've done that from Android device, devices in the past, and that you would basically inherit a whole hierarchy of file, files and folders and rubbish. And it's really good to a have a really clear out through that and get the micro SD card nice and fresh again without deleting your Windows Phone content. And also, yes, to be able to juggle content backwards and forwards between integral memory and the micro SD card. When you when you're talking about media in particular, that's a very uh, easy way of doing it. Um, and uh, Go thumbs up from me. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I'm actually someone who keeps an awful lot of their stuff in the cloud in terms of documents, which is the sort of stuff I suppose I might want to go in via uh, the file browser. But where this does come into its own, I think, is downloading something uh, from the web, which is with Internet Explorer 11 in Windows Phone 8.1. Is You've got much better support than you had previously. And obviously, you can make a choice about where to save it. But the fact you might want to uh, you know, save it later on it does work well. And this, you know, files is a, a relatively basic implementation. But as you say, if you've got lots of content on something like a, a micro SD card, it, it makes sense. And because of you know the way the frameworks work on uh, Windows Phone, it also makes it quite easy to share content. So you can select a specific file, then drop into the, the standard sharing framework. And that's potentially means you can send it up to uh, OneDrive or another cloud sharing service or you know with a photo or document you can send it by email and that kind of thing and so some people i think have you know brought up in a computing world which is filing system centric and will enjoy doing it in that way others you know are quite happily maybe they're that brought up in a mobile first world will enjoy kind of going into the apps as you were describing the kind of the silo approach it's just something that people have requested time and time again. It's always been at the top of kind of wish list. And I think you're right. It's not for everybody, but uh, Microsoft has delivered on a kind of a basic implementation here using the new APIs in Windows Phone 8.1. I'm sure there'll be some more complex file managers that are able to do more interesting things coming along from third parties. And there's a couple of simple ones already in place. I think Azurize Explorer and Pocket File Manager uh, are, are early examples of that. But it's just a, this sense that Windows Phone 8.1 is more mature than Windows Phone 8. It, it, it's just that it's the extra little bits and make a difference. And on their own, they're kind of not that interesting, but you start adding them all up and they become you know, quite a significant bit of update and um, i mean this actually applies to all the platforms you know we've seen it in the last android update apple have just announced ios 8 it's not always often you see a startling new feature i mean windows phone 8 arguably has it with cortana that's you know playing catch up but a lot of the uh, stuff that comes in is less obvious on the surface um, but is far reaching and in windows phone 8.1 we talked about some of the frameworks and the new apis that that enables you know in ios 8 you've kind of got the extensions which um much in the same way that you know windows phone allows apps to talk to each other and android and a certain amount of ex- 
extensibility and integration between apps. You know, iOS 8 is going to get that. So it's taken a step forward. And actually, I think it's kind of moved closer to the way Windows Phone and Android do things. You know, and equally well, in the, you know, that we've had the last Android update with changes to the way the UI work and sort of the idea that Google introduces API changes at relatively low levels. I mean, it's something simple um, that hasn't really been exploited yet, but there's host card emulation, which in theory at least allows uh, apps to kind of simulate or copy your uh, credit cards or your membership cards and integrate with NFC and do it in a secure way. And those sorts of updates um, aren't that interesting when they're announced, but once apps start taking advantage of them, they really start to come into their own. And so I, I actually think in some ways we're moving away from the area where you'd see you know, an OS update announced, become available, and everyone goes, oh, all these wonderful new features. It's actually sometimes takes a while for those features to really you know, percolate or to you know, be properly understood because they actually are enabling third-party apps on services to do interesting things. So just been you know talking about the Big Bang app updates that we're used to, but actually, Windows Phone 8.1 has kind of got even better since it was announced, as we've seen some of these extra apps come along, a lot of them from Microsoft, but also from third parties as well. And long may it continue. Yeah, I should emphasize that this files application, which you can find in the Windows Phone store, we'll put all the links in the show notes, the links to the various coverage stories. Um, obviously, you don't get access to all files on the device. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Tra- tradition ever since I think, the last decade or so, Rafe, has been that for a file manager, certainly supplied by the manufacturer on any smartphone smartphone on any platform basically you get access to the user file which is normally a, a directory or a hierarchy of documents images videos and so so forth you don't get access to any of the operating system i know you can on some platforms you can root it and jailbreak it or whatever and you go hacking around and copying files backwards and forwards this is much much easier much more friendly and there's less to go wrong so i think for the general user i think files will be fine but you don't get access to absolutely everything so it's not a, not a hacker's tool no yeah. and that's as it should be because frankly we don't want someone moving something that breaks something else um, and I think uh, hackers and those interested will probably have other ways to get into things. I mean, that's where you talk about uh, jailbreaking phones for an actual reason rather than maybe just for the kind of the prestige of it. The Windows phone hasn't had very much of that, and there, there are various technical reasons for that. But um, honestly, if you don't know what you're doing with that stuff, you really shouldn't be fiddling with it anyway. Yeah, moving on with a couple of other articles that went up on the site, which I'd like Rafe's feedback on. Um, first of all, um, 10 top tips for shooting better videos on the Lumia 1520, 930, and 1020. Uh, this is kind of an update of an article I did almost three years ago now, Rafe, when it ran kind of Lumia 800 a chronology. Um, and I thought it's got to be time to update this. A lot's changed in terms of the software, the hardware. These are the PureView devices with oversampling, for example. We've got lossless zoom. There's quite a few extra tips and, and tricks which I've accumulated in the intervening years. So I've put 10 tips together. I'm going to ask you for your favorite of the 10 as a sort of kind of a teaser for, for listeners. And my favorite is one that I, I thought of quite recently, recently really after some real-world experience. And that's to keep your video clips short. For example, you're, I'm, I'm at an event that Rafe's throwing. Rafe's throwing a party in his mansion in London. <laughs> and uh, he's invited me. And, and there's all sorts of interesting guests there. So I go around and I, one option is just to just start shooting video and wander around for half an hour chatting to people and capturing everything live. Thinking, well, I'll, I'll edit that later. It's a real pain to do that for multiple technical reasons, not least the fact that um, Windows Phone currently, certainly with Nokia camera, tends to use a variable frame rate. Which means that the long video clips, you can get audio, audio video sync issues, which is a bit of a pain with some video editors I've found. 
And so it just makes things so much easier if you keep your video um, clips short, say 30 seconds there, a minute there, two minutes there, because there's no chance later on, there's no chance for any sync issue to build up and then you get lip sync issues. Also the fact that if you do one long, one long sequence, what happens if the battery runs out of, you know, 98% of the way through it? You've lost everything. If you've just been shooting short clips, you can have a problem, you can have a hang up, the battery can go, you can plug in a charge, all of that can happen, and you haven't lost the whole lot. So my first big tip is keep your video clips and scenes short. So, uh, Rafe, what's your favourite tip of the ten? It, it, it's a tricky one. A few years ago, if you'd asked me this, it would be to shoot video on a tripod. That's become much less necessary because of the introduction of optical image stabilisation on all the devices we're talking about here. That really, you know, that's no longer a problem because there's nothing worse than watching kind of video that jumps up and down. That's always the case with kind of older uh, family home video movies be they shot on a kind of camcorder or going back a little bit further cine film uh, and apart from steve having the, quite the wrong idea about where i'm living in london that's um, another <laughs> issue that we'll come on to later i actually i would agree with the short clip one you actually see that if in kind of htc have that in their zoe camera you can have really effective videos put together if you just combine three or four second clips and while um, i'm sure i would enjoy watching a 20 minute video of your mobile phone collection i think you have <laughs> to uh, bear in mind that normal people probably have shorter attention spans for that kind of thing um, but for me the biggest thing with video is actually getting good sound and uh, steven said it's kind of obvious in his article about understand where the microphones are on your phone and make sure you're not covering them up when you're holding the phone. But it's a mistake I've made a couple of times because I haven't really thought about it. And think about the way you're going to be gripping the phone. It may be you have to, to be it's like contortionist to get it right. Nokia have generally been quite good about where they place them, but because people hold phones in so many different ways, it's not possible to be perfect. But um, audio and poor quality audio is something you'll notice, I think, almost more than poor quality video i think that's more to do with the fact yeah. all of these you know smartphones now are capable of producing pretty decent video and particularly if you then you know have good lighting and uh, choose your subject carefully that's quite easy audio is much harder to get right and it's certainly the thing you notice between different smartphones and maybe it's because nokia have this advantage with their haac microphones and ma other manufacturers have started to introduce these now uh, or equivalents but they're nowhere near commonplace and it's you know, when people say, oh, I've got a video I want to show you, and particularly when you're watching it on something off the device, you know, on a TV, which is actually becoming more common now that it's easy to throw things around with, you know, the DNA technology or HDMI cables or MirrorSync or whatever it happens to be, or Apple TV or Google Chromecast. It's the thing I always notice is kind of the poor quality audio, particularly things like wind in the background or just a lack of depth to the audio when you switch to a, a lumia device one of nokia's or now microsoft gonna have to get that right eventually you really notice that that depth of audio and it's because of course everyone thinks of video as being visual but audio is just an important component so that would be my pick if you want tips but go and read all the other ones because there's some great ones there and i think the one i sort of inspired to go and try out next time i'm doing shooting a family occasion if the family doesn't get too annoyed by that this is is to try out multiple cameras because lucky enough to have multiple devices and i actually think making myself look more professional like i'm doing a tv production with multiple camera angles would be a, a, a great idea although i wonder if the subjects will be terribly keen if i make them do more than one take i'll have to wait and see 
Yeah, well, of course, you could. I just set up a smartphone on a tripod, just pointing in the general direction as a wide view, and then shoot up close with the particular subject. So later on, you'd use the, obviously the audio from the close-up and most of the close-up video, but just every now and then you could cut away to the wide view to, you know, to, to give a, a change of angle. I think that, that you could do that without having to you know, use both hands and be you know, like an octopus, flailing the smartphone in each direction. Uh, that's right. I, I do have to mention one of the comments on this article, though, which made me laugh out loud and got some pretty peculiar looks from people. And it was uh, Gavin said that the best tip he could think of was to call Steve and let Steve do the recording because Steve is an expert on this. And if you <laughs> don't don't believe this, go and have a look at Steve's uh, phone show, which he produces entirely on uh, a smartphone. It's been different devices over the year. It's really high quality in terms of you know, some of the shots, and there are some fancy different camera angles used at times. Uh, so well worth looking. And uh, Death89, which uh, in reply to that comment says, yes, that's a great idea. We'll just have to wait for them to finish the Steve clothing project. And that would be a fantastic idea. It'd be very useful to have more than one Steve around. <laughs> I'm not so sure about that, although my rates are very reasonable. <laughs> um, just going back to that audio thing, that we, we did a series. I think Ewan was on location some some conference in America, and he sent back a video report uh, and he, he found a nice, beautiful, sunny, gorgeous, idyllic location in a park. I think it was Austin, Texas, uh, right next to a waterfall. So all you could hear on the audio track was the Ewan kind of just vaguely un- understandable with this massive water hammering down beside him. Ewan, sound is vitally important. Find a quiet place next time, even if it's a broom cupboard. So yeah, absolutely, find a quiet location out there and uh, away from wind, away from breeze, away, away from water. Water is a, a real no-no with uh, sound recording in your uh, audio soundtrack and your videos will definitely be more professional. So but do see the link in the show notes, my list of my top 10. And it's about uh, 3,000 word articles. Hopefully everyone can get something from that. Um, I'm talking of long articles. I did a couple of, uh, of my famous camera phones, uh, smartphone shootouts, Ray, within the Galaxy K Zoom, which I have in my hand here, and the Lumia 1020, which I also have in my hand, or my other hand. Um, I would say arguably the two top um, camera smartphones in the world right now. I think it's pretty even, both in the stills and in the video, with each device having device having pros and cons. Did you get a chance to check through either of these articles, Ray? Yeah, I had a quick look through both of these articles, and just to make people familiar with it, the Galaxy K Zoom is effectively a kind of a variant or a specialist device of the Galaxy S5. So, um, in one sense, it's obviously come out more recently than the 1020. But in terms of the kind of the camera, they're taking slightly different approaches, aren't they, Steve? You know, the the 1020 is the kind of the oversampling with uh, you know the zoom done that way, whereas the Galaxy K Zoom does actually have a, a mechanical zoom, and as a result, the zoom's actually bigger. And I suspect that's one of the areas where it's going to outdo the 1020. We'll we'll get Steve to talk about the actual camera results in a minute but one of the things that pleasantly surprised me especially in comparison to the previous uh samsung kind of camera flagship which was the s4 zoom was there didn't seem to be any compromise on the performance and so this you know behaved very much like it was a note 3 or an s5 in terms of performance and you know when you're you know using one of these specialist devices you don't really want to give anything away in the other moment if you're the sort of person that you know buys an expensive camera phone like this you're probably going to be wanting something that's similar to the top end flagship models and so it kind of interested me that that came out of the article but um steve you're probably the best one to talk about the results from the actual camera i mean looking through some of the examples you posted i found it very difficult to kind of pick out you know some of the difference between the, the different cameras uh there was the usual kind of processing thing and choices around colors uh 
that then becomes quite a personal preference. Yeah. I think I still prefer the color palette of the Lumia devices because it just feels to me a little more natural that it's that neutrality. But I do appreciate that that's something that's certainly open to debate and quite subjective. I, I wouldn't actually say that the, the still and video results in the Lumia 1020 are natural. I think, I think I, 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 people tend to talk about the results being um, overly saturated or heavily saturated, very colorful, but not too far. The interesting thing is that uh, the Lumia 1020 world that it presents to you, the colors, the, the richness, you want to live in that world. You, you appreciate <laughs> the photos because they are attractive. In contrast, the results from the KZoom, a bit like the uh, Nokia N8 back in the day, back in the Symbian world, Ray, going back about five years now, ultra, ultra natural, ultra neutral results. And as a result, they don't kind of look that attractive. Everything's kind of muted and you feel, no, I want to crank the saturation up. I want to crank the colors up. I want to do something with the photos to make them look more appealing. We've become so used to having, you know, AMOLED screens and rich colors. And I, I, I can absolutely see where Samsung are going with this, but I, I, I've kind of got used to those, those rich colors now and it, I, I miss them when they're not around. More than that, though, I would say that the K Zoom does have its own issues. There's the obviously you it can't have a huge sensor because the 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 physical optics of a big zoom lens means that it's got to you know shine light on a fairly small area. So that the fact that it's got a ten times optical zoom also means it's got to have a relatively small sensor. So one over two point three, for example, I think it's about half the size of the um, physical size of the sensor in the ten twenty, and that has an effect in terms of noise levels. Also, as you zoom, you know, zoom into a, a situation you're again reducing the effective aperture of the, the amount of light you're gathering so that brings in more noise so there are absolutely definitely pros and cons you may remember that when nokia started off this whole pure view thing on the back of a napkin famously their, their starting point was that they had a, a smartphone the symbian based nokia n93 which had optical zoom and they had there was it was great little phone for the time <laughs> didn't have enough ram but that's another matter but the optical zoom had its own issues it had its pros and cons they thought well how can we do um smartphone imaging better with zoom without having a bulky optical mechanism and they came up with this you know 41 megapixel sensor and doing digital computational photography um and those those same pros and cons absolutely still apply today the, the k zoom for for situations where you're in video or stills where you're actually needing to zoom in quite a long way you know to, to, to spot something on a stage that's 100 meters away or a, 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 a something or some wildlife that will be scared if you're too close up that sort of thing um it's it's great great photographs full resolution at that zoom take it into low light and of course you've then got noise coming in also the fact that if you're zoomed in that much you you're not capturing the whole scene one of the beauty beautiful things about the pure view system on the lumi 1020 as you know, Rafe, is that the reframing system that you can be, you can zoom in, you know, three times losslessly, four times or six times in video. Um, and in the still case, um, you can actually reframe afterwards. So you can shoot zoomed in, uh, you know, a crop of Rafe Blanford at a party with a beer in his hand. Think afterwards, think, well, no, oh, I really wanted the whole scene. I wish I hadn't zoomed in. Well, you can reframe and their whole scene is actually there. and was captured in the high res version. And that's one of the really clever things about the, the software based pure view approach. Overall, if I had to pick one of the two devices to shoot photographs and video for my life, I think I'd pick 1020 at this stage, um, even though the Galaxy K Zoom is newer. Um, that, that's ignoring all aspects of the operating system and, and applications which do or don't work. That's a separate issue. But purely on imaging and video, I think the 1020 just edges it, but it really is a close run thing. 
I did a vi my, my video comparison with the split screen presentation. It was fascinating asking people to judge from my comments and from the video which, which phone they thought produced the better video. And uh, there was a complete split, roughly 50-50 across the different sites and different people I asked. So it absolutely depends on what you want to shoot under what like conditions. And uh, yeah, I guess ultimately also, given that they're so close, which operating system you prefer and which ecosystem. Yeah, there's no doubt that both of these devices push back the boundaries. And I actually think it's testament to the, how far ahead the 1020 was that it's taken Samsung obviously nine months to come up with an equipment and actually taking a very different approach. What you're saying there about reframing, I think, is a point that's worth emphasizing. You do need to think conceptually differently about how you, you know, understand the capture of your photos. Because I think on the face of it, you go, oh, I prefer having an optical zoom and having you know, the extra zoom. But you do have to, as you say, set that against the kind of the convenience, which I think suits the, you know, the, the smartphone lifestyle better. I mean, if you're really looking to have big zoom you're still going to go for the standalone camera and there are point and shoots that are based around zooming or you, know, you can get a dslr with a big lens on it of course this comes back to the whole debate over you know would you use your smartphone as your only camera which lots of people now do but it's kind of more pointed for this kind of super camera phone type device which are clearly going to be more attractive to the people who are more likely to have a standalone camera or at least consider that in their purchase equation and i actually think the 1020 by doing something a little bit different gives itself uh, an advantage and ultimately it does still come down to that sensor sizing when you're in edge cases i mean what surprised me about the k zoom is how well it performed and actually i think samsung has done some great work on that uh, and if you're shooting in easy conditions or good conditions very difficult to judge the difference i haven't actually tried one out myself so looking at some of the samples that steve produced yeah, there are times when I think actually I prefer the photo that the K Zoom has produced. Uh, and it's interesting what I was saying about natural colors that probably tells you everything you need to know about that debate about what's more accurate, what's more natural. It's a, quite a subjective thing. But uh, I do think there's still an argument to be made that when you're talking about an edge case now, it might be low light or some other you know, difficult to shoot scenario. Um, the 1020 just has the advantage of that extra sensor size and some you know, complex algorithms that just go a little bit deeper, maybe give it an advantage. It'll be interesting to see, Steve, after you've used it for a little bit longer, which I'm sure you're going to do, you know, whether you change your opinion on, on which one you prefer. And uh, as you say, the, the software side of things is a whole other debate. Um, Android, I think, has an advantage there because of the numerous third-party applications but um, it's difficult to get away from liking that default Nokia camera, which does make it very easy to change the settings, which, of course, on a, when you talk about these high-end sort of super camera phones, actually becomes more important than on your standard smartphone. Yeah, and there's the other factor, of course. I, I know we've talked about the optical zoom, but and if you need to zoom, then you need you know, one of these devices. There's also the, the flash technology. Now, we had talked about the 930 and the 1520, both with LED flash. You, I <laughs> go back to my zine and rant again. <laughs> um, I still say that for moving subjects like human beings and pets in low light or indoors, you need a Xenon flash. You need a proper flash. And the K-Zoom, like most standalones, which it kind of is a standalone camera sandwiched into a phone body, has a proper flash, as does the 1020. And for, again, for those two reasons alone, that these are the two devices, these are the two phones in the entire world 
go for if you want to be taking great photographs indoors. And I, I, I still fail to see why manufacturers don't make more of this. I did point out in my article, I mean, I'm writing various Casium articles at the moment, as you can imagine, and I do acknowledge that to manufacturers, there are costs involved in a Zenon flash. The bulb is more expensive. The, um, the capacitor has to be allowed for in terms of space and cost. It's more power hungry. It probably doesn't last as long overall. You can't use it as a video light. There are all sorts of reasons why manufacturers wouldn't want a Zenon flash in. And, um, and I can quite see their point. But there, I would contend that there's definitely a niche in the market for a certain category of smartphone with decent cameras with proper flash. And I'm great to see that uh, there's now one such device in the Android world in the K-Zoom. And I suspect, I hope, that we'll get a few more in the next year or so. And hopefully, who knows, maybe another one or two in the Windows phone world as well. But we must move on. Now, before we finish, Ray, we, we always used to do an app application of the week. So while I rack my brains because I'm totally unprepared, I, I know that you've got two prepared. Um, one's an, a serious application and useful, and one's a game. So if you could uh, wax lyrical while I have racked my brains. Well, both of these are actually ports from existing you know, platforms, as are an awful lot of the games and the apps that come out. But these are quite high-profile ones that have you know, been talked about a lot, and it's a, kind of another example of the app gap being closed and we said before that it's kind of narrow, but it's still very much there because there are you know, apps that I thought, oh, I'm really pleased to see that because I want to be able to use it on my Windows phone device. The first of which is Hotel Tonight, which is actually exactly what it sounds like. It's a way to be able to book a hotel night for the same day. And, and you might wonder why you want to do that. Well, the, the truth is if you're traveling somewhere and haven't got a hotel sorted out, this is kind of invaluable because it's focused around that scenario uh, the interesting thing to kind of the stat to back this up is that 40% of the hotels booked on a smartphone are actually for within the next 48 hours. So it is people arriving at a destination or planning a business trip in the next few days and want to do a hotel and maybe they're setting up while they're traveling or on the train or something like that. And so this is now arrived on Windows Phone. It's been nicely implemented. There's some thought that's gone into it and it's an invaluable tool if you're ever doing kind of regular travel. Uh, perhaps not one for Steve to install, despite his recent excursions, but I know a lot of people will be <laughs> pleased to see this arriving on Windows Phone. The other one I wanted to, to mention is Badland. Now, this is a kind of a side-scrolling, I guess you'd call it an adventure game. It's kind of a moving on from kind of the platformer-style games. It's been well-reviewed. It's got lots of awards, including kind of an Apple Design Award, one of the very prestigious ones. I think that was a year ago. It's available on Android and iOS, and it's recently come out for windows phone and more than that it's actually available for both the high end and the, the 512 megabyte low end devices somewhat unusual for kind of some of the high profile ports which are quite graphically intensive because this is a gorgeous game to look at it's got great visuals and great audio uh, so i can thoroughly recommend it so download it and give it a go and there's uh, two app recommendations just one more i was going to mention that i saw coming out uh, tonight is actually the HP AO remote application, and this enables printing from your Windows phone device. And I actually have an HP printer. So I downloaded this and was just trying out just a few minutes ago and was able to tip my printer. I didn't actually do any printing because I didn't want to have that noise on the podcast, but it's great to have that. So if I want to print out a photo directly from my phone, I can now do so very easily rather than having to sort of send it off to OneDrive or use OneDrive to get it onto my uh, and actually, it's one of the few scenarios that I think makes a lot of sense for mobile printing from a smartphone. I'm not really a sort of person who looks to print out documents or a great deal of calendar information or something like that. But, you know, photos, which I capture on the phone, 
want to be able to share with people who you know i can't do it online so i want to send them through snail mail it does still exist despite what some technologists might have you believe uh you know it's really great so i'm looking forward to actually trying that out once we uh, finish recording this podcast well my app pick is rather quirky and it relates to travel rafe did mention that i've been away the last tail end of last week on an actual international trip which is very rare for me but uh, in case I want to get even more adventurous but not really there's pretend being there which is a really awkwardly named application but the idea is that you 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 do a selfie of yourself against a a fairly neutral background um, and you then pick an actual background of a a place like Antarctica or the Brazilian rainforest or, or the pyramids or wherever you want to go virtually and it literally pastes one uh, onto the other with the appropriate um, cutting out of the, the silhouette. And it's really not bad for social photo sharing. It's almost believable and it's great fun. So for people who are ribbing me that I never go anywhere, I can just send them a photograph of myself next to the Leaning Tower of Pisa. And it's there, the photographic proof. Or is it anyway? Pretend being there. We'll put a link to that in the show notes along with Rafe's rather more serious and more uh, mainstream applications. And let's keep this keep this podcast short, Rafe, and we'll save all the rest for next time. Um, thank you very much for listening. Um, we will catch you next week on the All About Windows Phone Inside podcast, unless you've got anything else to say, Rafe. Nope, I don't think so, Steve. That's a, a good place to end. Uh, next week, we'll try and round up some of the rumours, maybe talk about some of the new devices. May well have a, a Lumia 630 to talk about as well. Now we're getting lots of questions about that. But without further ado, I think that's a good place to end the podcast. So thanks very much to Steve and thanks everyone for listening.